As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's why someone that has never studied yeah. and has no skills and no experience, like myself, could, could get into a role over somebody that does have those qualifications. I didn't go to college. I didn't mm -hmm. go to university. I'm not even qualified in HR, even though I've been working in it for over 10 wow. years. And I've worked for some, some, some big brands and some small brands like Sky, Coca-Cola, British Airways, Gumtree, eBay, et cetera. And I think for me, I was like, I want to survive. I want to, I want to eventually move out and get my own place yeah. and stuff like that. So I need to get the money to support that. To me, this is not the kind of society where you really want to be struggling financially. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it I've been there. Now. Not being able to pass an interview sounds like kind of a small thing, but Some of the stories that I've heard from people who can't pass interviews are really, really distressing. Understanding the importance of the interview performance is the key. There are certain things that they want to hear and you need to say them. As soon as they reframe it, they can get into a job that pays 30 or 40 or 60 or 80K. And I'm wow. like, that's a life-changing difference. What are some things that you shouldn't do? Absolutely. Like, even if it's a great interview, it's just going to kill your... Kill your chances. Welcome to the Takeoff Experience where I sit down with highly driven people to talk about their journey, their failures, and their successes. If you want to take off in your career, your business, your finances, or your mindset, then this podcast is for you. Welcome back to the Takeoff Experience. We have a special guest in the building, Amory. How are you doing today? Doing good. Thank you very much. How has your day been? It's been busy. <laughs> It's been very busy. Um scripting doing all my youtube stuff mm -hmm. some research editor conversations nothing majorly interesting but very busy awesome but yeah awesome awesome so to give the listeners and watchers a background who is amory i am an interview coach and i'm also a recruitment and hr specialist as well and i'm a youtuber now as well I, it feels weird saying that yeah. but i'm also a youtuber so I post YouTube videos on interview advice, interview tips, a little bit of career advice mixed in, but it's mainly about how to pass a job interview because so many people struggle with that. Yeah. And um, with everything that's happening with jobs and 
redundancies and everything that people are experiencing it just seems really relevant and helpful at the moment yeah and i feel like the interview is that's almost the that's the stage that's gonna get you the job of course yeah you've got an application but that's yeah. the make or break that's gonna get you the job and get you a, a decent salary if you're you're if you're looking one and get your bills paid right yeah exactly so i am a big believer that the focus on cvs or resumes is a bit much i don't think that you need an overly complicated resume or cv that's the main mistake i see when i look at someone's cv um, it's more about getting to the interview because that is where they determine whether or not they want you. You can be amazing on paper, but if you get into the interview and you are not as strong as somebody else who is, then it's that interview performance. It's actually, I know it's a bit controversial, but skills, experience and qualifications, I've always said they don't matter. Sorry if you have studied for <laughs> years and years. Yeah. I'm not saying that what you've done is is pointless, but you need to know how to use it in an interview. You need to know how to demonstrate that in an interview. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people struggle. So that's why someone that hasn't never studied yeah. and has no skills and no experience, like myself, could could get into a role over somebody that does have those qualifications. Because I left school um, with terrible GCSE results. Really? terrible GCSE results I didn't go to college I didn't mm -hmm. go to university I'm not even qualified in HR even though I've been working in it for over 10 wow. years and I've worked for some 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 big brands and some small brands like Sky, Coca-Cola, British Airways, Gumtree, eBay etc lots more and um, I'm not qualified and I also have a learning disability as well mm -hmm. um, so I've struggled with uh, dyscalculia for a long time it's basically uh, dyslexia but with numbers this is the okay. easiest way to describe it I didn't know when I started out that I had that but I started to learn what people wanted and what they were listening out for in job interviews and I started to build that and once friends and family started to see me going into these big brands they're like how are you getting you've got no discernible talent <laughs> you know how are you getting in there <laughs> and it's like well listen really. but the thing is I didn't really have anything to to show I pretty much had um just me. I was a nursery nurse when I started out in like 2002, I think. Um, did that for a few years. And then I went into the corporate world and people were like, how did you do that? And it's like, it literally is just a case of trial and error along the way. But understanding the importance of the interview performance mm -hmm. is the key. Yeah. It's a shame that it is a performance. It makes a lot of yeah. people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But when you master that, you, if you want to get into a six figure job, then you could. Um, okay. But you also need to remember that you then need to deliver at a six-figure level. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the most important. You can get through the door, but you can't be a faker. Exactly. You have to exactly. Actually, actually perform. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, wanted to go back into your story. So um, I think offline we said you said that you your parents are African, right? No, they're Jamaican. Oh, they're Jamaican. No, my parents. You, you mentioned African. Yeah, name. my name. Yeah, my name is African. Oh. So um, yeah, but um, it's it's we my brothers and sisters we all have african names okay um so my my dad is very much a going back to africa person like very much oh, africa focused okay. so but we we're jamaican i mean you could argue that we're all african mm -hmm. which is you know yeah. and and so True. in that sense yes we, we it's tr when we trace our names back it's ghana um so ghana is really where i originate from and i do really want to go there oh, i nice. haven't been nice. so yeah. Yeah, Ghana, Ghana is I I hear some great, great, great things um about it. What's stopping you from from going as of yet? Nothing actually. Probably the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, now now that it's over, um, I can focus on like what my next holiday is gonna be. So it's yeah. pro I, I really, really, really wanna go there because yeah. I just wanna I see I wanna see what a different 
kind of country is like where, you know, be, be born and raised in this country. I've yeah. only ever been on holidays in other places. I want to actually go and see what it might be like as yeah. a potential place to, you know, settle in future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I mean, I've only been to Nigeria. I haven't been to Ghana. Okay. Uh, it's nice. Yeah, it's good. Are you, are you, so where, where are your parents? Uh, Nigeria. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nigeria, okay. Sierra Leone. I don't know if the, the listeners watch it. Do they know the Sierra Leone part? Yeah, Nigeria, okay. Sierra Leone. Yeah. Okay. Mom's Nigeria, Sierra Leone. Dad's Nigeria. So yeah, no, it's nice. You, 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 um, it's interesting going to a country where you're the majority. Let's just put it like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it, no, it's interesting. You, yeah. You, um, I mean, you probably don't think about it too much, but it's different. Life is yeah. different. Yeah, I've been so. to Gambia. Okay. I've been to Gambia for, yeah, and that was amazing. I didn't want to leave. It yeah. was amazing. Um, and it, it did feel different. Yeah. But... I feel like people could still see I was a tourist. It's like that when I go to Jamaica. <laughs> they, like before I even open know, my right? mouth, they know. Yeah. So it's 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 I'm not I'm still not necessary, but it still feels more like yeah. okay. So this is what it would be like if I was indigenous to where I was born. Mm-hmm. Like you know this experience, and it yeah. was nice. It was yeah. so nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it's it is amazing. So you mentioned school. You said that you said you did do well in GCSEs. What what did you get? Oh come on, good. why? <laughs> I mean, okay. So, I mean. I, I'm talking. You'd have to tell me all the oh no no no! I don't even remember because this really? was like over twenty years ago. Mm. So um, I, like D's and E's and mm. I got an I got an A in English. Okay. Um, I've, English has always been for some reason. Yeah, it's really odd. Is that most people who have dyscalculia also have dyslexia? Like that's more the rule. Mm. Um, for some reason I don't have that, so I only have dyscalculia. When it comes to English, I'm like just really really Amazing, strong, and right? yeah. don't know why, but that's. Yeah, so A in English, but everything else just bad grades, like D and D and above. Or yeah, below, was it was it that school wasn't for you? Was it did did you enjoy school? Do you think? I think aspects of school seemed I couldn't really understand the why. Like I couldn't articulate that then. I was just young yeah. and going through the motions, but a lot of it I just I I think I it just didn't sink in in the right way. Mm-hmm. The structure and how it's taught didn't really speak to me. Yeah, uh, so. I just didn't soak in a lot of the information and I just thought I'm just not smart that just that's that yeah. just must be. I kind of accepted that that's what it was or yeah. that's what I thought it was until once I started to go into corporate environments and deliver and like go in and save them like 150k in my first year and do yeah. things like that I was like oh I, I can deliver mm-hmm. and so I was like something's not you know there must be there must be something else yeah so um so yeah yeah. Yeah, I was I was wondering cuz so obviously that that happened at GCSE. Did you mention that you went to university as well? No, I didn't. Did I didn't go, go to, to I didn't go to so university or college. Was it Okay, so you didn't do college. Do you end up working? Started, I ended up working and yeah. I did an NVQ. So okay. I did an NVQ in childcare. I, I can't remember. It's one of those voc- <laughs> vocational things. Yeah. That, I did qualify in that, so I've got I'm I'm a qualified nursery nurse if okay. I ever decide to go back into it. I loved doing it. But um growing up in London meant that 9k a year is not going to get you much that's, that's that was nursery nurses get paid a shockingly low salary is it, that minimum that's not minimum wage is it no it wasn't because i started the job yeah. I, th- I think this is i can say this now that the nursery is like no longer there but yeah. i think this is why they took us on at that age they, t- they t- take you one at 15 yeah. so just when you get your national insurance card right okay. and so they can pay you below basically there's like a different set of wow. minimum wage for okay. under a certain age gap um I think in I think today you have to be sixteen, I think, yeah. or eighteen. I can't remember. Okay. But um 
but yeah, so wow. that was, but it was more money than I'd, than I'd had because yeah. I was doing a paper round before that. Yeah. Oh, so okay. <laughs> I was like, oh. but I think I bought trainers and something else. And oh. I was like, oh, wow, I got 275 pounds in a check. And I <laughs> yeah. was like, this is amazing. Yeah. I was 15. Yeah. Thought, this yeah. is great. Yeah. 275 pounds. That's crazy. But yeah, then I realized within a couple of years that yeah. that couldn't pay rent. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's not, yeah. It's, it's not enough. And you know what, what's crazy, right? Like, I don't know if a nursery nurse still exists, but nurseries itself and childcare and all that is I think a lot of it's privatized and it's expensive. Shockingly expensive. It's expensive, it's right? It's so expensive. Yeah. It's, it's like my, I was working in the nursery that my brother was in. So I was working there at the same time. And it was, I think up to six months, it was, I can't remember now. Was it like three grand or something? And then yeah. maybe two grand. It's, it's a full like month salary for some people. I don't know Basically, how. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Having children is expensive. It is. It, um, is. it is very, very expensive. So it's the idea that the nursery and the nursery nurses, you work really long shifts. Mm -hmm. If the child gets sick, you get sick. Like there was, I remember a child, one of the nursery nurses got, got ring, sorry to be thing, but they got ringworm because a child got ringworm. Oh you get sick if a child gets sick. Mm -hmm. You get, you know what I mean? You are changing nappies all day. And so I was like, I think that they should be paid more, but there's so many roles in yeah. this kind of society that should be paid more than they get paid. Yeah, agreed. Um, so fully yeah. agreed. So okay, so you realized that obviously salary wasn't going to be enough. What was like the next step for you at that point? I think the next step was looking at what jobs paid more. Okay. Um, and I just looked at you know I was looking online and I was like, a lot of my friends stayed in childcare and they were like, I want to move up, I want to get because you got level two, they wanted to get their level three and stay in that. And I think for me, I was like, I want to survive i want to i want to eventually move out and get my own place yeah. and stuff like that so i need to get the money to support that um and i looked at corporate jobs and um i saw one at a hydraulics hose company that was like my first okay. uh, my first job um called pertech and i went there um to interview so i think i got some tips from my sister and i went there to interview and i remember that i had a cold so i kept blowing my nose um, I ran out of tissues. I had to ask them tissues. I remember that I my phone went off. So my Nokia 3210 <laughs> yeah, <I remember laughs> with a changeable that. face. Yeah. I remember the ringtone and everything, the one that you had to get from the back of the yeah. magazine. So I um that rang and I and I remember seeing something somewhere that said, you know, remember to switch off your phone, otherwise you will not get the job. Like you have to. And wow. I was just like, that's it, this interview's over. And so I was really shocked when I got the job. Mm. And when I got into the job, I asked my boss, why did you hire me? Because I thought the interview went really badly. And she said, you knew more about the company than I did. She was like, you did so much research that I was shocked. And she said, and you were so enthusiastic. She was like, you were so happy. You put me in a really good mood, even though it was a really bad day. And so she was like, yeah, I just seemed, thought you seemed like fun. <laughs> and so that was, and so I was like, so I started to realize that, okay, so there's, okay, so it's not just about the rigid rules. There are other things that people want to see. Mm -hmm. um, and it also pushed me into being interested in psychology. Like, yeah. How do human beings make decisions? Why do they make decisions that seem illogical? And I realized that people make emotionally based decisions and yeah. I learned a lot. It's why you'll see like on X Factor, they'll have like a contestant who, um, they'll play all the music and they'll say, oh, this person, you know, they have a really bad leg and a bad eye and they'll do all the whole yeah, story. Yeah. Um, and then that contestant will go on to win or the public will love them, even though they, they can't really sing that well. <laughs> and I, I used to think, but that's yeah. not that they can't really sing that well. Cause I, I have, I'm in a family where a lot of people are in entertainment and music and singing. Um, and I realized that people make a So they, they, they mess with that psychology yeah. in order to control your decision. They want to push you towards 
this candidate. They want to push you towards this person. And I started to realize that there are certain almost like lights. I said there's like 10 lights um, when you're in an interview and you have to hit those lights, each one. Mm -hmm. And some of them are based on what the manager is looking for in the job. So when they write that job description, they're like, I really want to find this person. Mm -hmm. You hit each of those lights. And then once you've passed those, you hit the emotional lights as well. And then once you've gone past that, then then you're a lot more likely to to get an offer. Basically, okay. it's wow. not it's not necessarily manipulation because yeah. what I always encourage people to do is make sure that you're telling the truth. Mm. So you're telling them about things that you telling them about skills you really have. You're just framing them in a way that is most attractive and puts like allows you to sell yourself. Um, and also make sure that you really want the job and that you really connect with the person. Yeah. Do not just go to into a job for the sake of it. Don't get a salary for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. You will be miserable, <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs> I've done it before. Yeah. Um, and so you're basically just positioning yourself in the most attractive way. Yeah. Um, if there are things you don't have, don't say you do, do not lie. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. So you're just kind of, because the irony is the candidates that get the job, they're doing that anyway. They just don't know. Yeah. You know, like when you meet someone, you know, let's say you're, you're, you're on a date, you're not going to tell them about all the terrible things about yourself. You're going to start with all the best things and you're interested in someone who seems really interested in you. They're not like, you know, I just wanted to meet a, meet a guy, any guy, you're a guy. So I'm just here. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they, they're, you know, they're like, I'm really, I was really interested in you because of this same thing with a job. I liked this company because of this. You seem like you would be really great to work with. I'm interested in learning from you. That is if you are, you don't yeah, need, don't yeah. necessarily need to use the compliments yeah. if it's not true, but it helps. So, amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing. I, I actually had a question. Why did you feel? Because they said that you knew more about the company. What was it that? What what drove you to be like? Yeah, I'm going to study all of this about the company. I'm going to be so enthusiastic about it. I'm just trying. I'm just. Curious I mean, I think I'm it. naturally enthusiastic mm-hmm. um, as as a person, but. Um, I kind of thought like an interview is kind of a, a pressurized situation. It can be a bit stressful. It can be a bit nerve wracking and it can be anywhere from half an hour to maybe two hours or maybe three at max. What is the point in going through all of that, brushing off your suit, getting all prepped, going all the way there in some cases, unless you're doing a Zoom interview and going through all of that to not get the job. And so I'm like, I, might, I would rather put in however many hours prep get the job, secure the job, secure the salary. And then I'm there for however many years. I don't need to think about it for however long I choose to stay in that company rather than like, I'm going to do it half hearted and then go to 10 interviews. What, what, why? (laughs) Like go to like, do all the prep, go to one or two or three. They will be fighting for you. They'll offer you maybe 10% more than you would have got, would, would have like got if you did a half-hearted approach. And then you just pick the one you want instead of going to tons and tons and tons of interviews. Yeah. And the more rejections you get, it kind of does something psychologically and it just lowers your, um, the amount of people that, I, that I've spoken to. I do Zoom calls with my subscribers mm-hmm. and they're like, my self-worth is at zero. Like the things that people have told me are so distressing because of the fact that they're getting rejections they said it starts to feel personal and I'm like and I I will my view is go through the steps you need to go to to nail it one time and then you're at a point you'll get to a point where you'll see a job and you're like that's the job I want Mm. and you can just go for that job Mm. like I've called places where they weren't actually hiring and 
encourage them to consider this role. Like I can do this. Have you considered this role? Mm-hmm. And just go for that thing and do all the prep you need to, to convince them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a bit cold because I'm always, no, okay. my hands <laughs> are like shaking, but yeah. Gosh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's insane. Okay. I want to, I want to continue going through your story because I find it fascinating. So, so you, you worked at a, mo, what do you say? Motorboat company? What was it? Oh, hydraulic hose. Hi, hydro- oh, yeah. Hydraulic hose. Hydraulic hose. Because I was like, it was, Close, so, it was so specific. It was so, like, specific. It's uh, like okay. the AA, but for industrial trucks. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. And then what did you move on to from after, after that point? After that, I moved on to, I'm trying to remember, because f- basically for most of my career, I've worked contract, okay. which means that there's been periods of time where I've done three to six, or three, six or 12 month contracts. Mm-hmm that's a lot of jobs <laughs> in my career. And so what that means is sometimes I can't remember all the places I've yeah. been. Um, but um, I know, I'm pretty sure from there, I might've gone on to Coca-Cola because I know I was 19 when I worked at Coca-Cola. Um, so I think it was around, oh, I, yeah, I went to Coca-Cola, then British Airways. So wow. after that, I went into Coca-Cola. I um, met with a lady there um, and she, said the same thing so I think I had this habit of asking people after they'd hired me why they hired me I don't I didn't realize that I did that um until I thought back on it but actually I also asked I remember Chantelle she was my boss and she said said the same thing she's like you seem like fun to work with you had great energy you did all the the Mm. prep etc um and so I, I got in there um by doing the same thing but with the job I didn't ironically I didn't have any information about the company so um, I didn't know it was Coca-Cola until I turned up to the building. For some bizarre reason, the, the agency that I went to didn't tell me that that was the, that that was the company they would put yeah. me forward to. They just gave me the address, 1 Queen Caroline Street, yeah. went there. And I was like, they're not even there anymore. They were in Hammersmith. But um, yeah, and then she, uh, and then I, I kind of, I just did crazy prep on the job. Like what are the skills that I've got could, that can match with the job? What are the skills that I haven't got? But I can think of transferable skills. So skills that I've gained in other areas of my life, projects I've worked on, things I'm interested in that could transfer into the role. Mm. And um, and that seemed to that seemed to work. So yeah. I mean, you, I would say you're definitely way ahead of your time when it, with, with all of this, which is why I think it, it seemed natural for you to become an interview coach. And I guess the question I have is, what was like the drive? What what created that change in in you, do you think? Have you ever thought about it? Um, I think it was gradual, if I'm completely honest, because yeah. I had friends. First, it was friends and family. Like someone would say, oh, you're working in this industry. And then they're like, because I actually, bizarrely enough, worked in finance. Okay. You'd think it would be a bad decision for somebody who doesn't understand numbers. Yeah. But I was curious as to what that job would entail. And I had realized that I had a knack for passing interviews, Yeah. Um, which sometimes isn't a good thing because too much choice can also be an issue. Um, but... So I went into that industry and so they were like, how are you doing this? And I was like, I, I just, I'm just, do, I'm just preparing for the interview. I'm just doing mm. in my mind what everyone does, but they were like, we don't do that. Yeah. So then they're like, can you help me? And I just was like, sure, let's let, let me help you. And we do practice interviews. We do like, I'd run through their CV and I started to do that for friends, family. And then they would say, oh my God, I got hired at this place, that place, da da da. Or I got an interview at Google um, or whatever. Um, and so then I was like, I think I should do, I should create a course because I didn't actually want to do YouTube at all. I wanted to to create a course and put it on Skillshare or yeah. whatever the platform. I think it was 
like Udemy or whatever was around at the time. Um, but in order to create the course, I thought, well, where am I going to promote it? Like, where am I going to get people to do yeah. the course? And I was like, looked into YouTube. I was like, I can do it on YouTube. So I was going to do a channel, but without me on camera, because I don't really like being on camera. I don't like pictures and things like that. So I was like, I'll just do voiceover. But there's one massive channel that does interview coaching, that does interview questions and answers. Mm -hmm. And they were off camera. So I was like, I'm going to have to differentiate myself from that channel. So I'll go on camera for that reason. But then once I was on camera, I realized that my videos where I was off camera didn't do very well. So I was like, I'm, but my audience is obviously used to that now. So I'm going to have to keep your, going. They're used to your face. Yeah. So I'm going to have to keep. Time. Yeah. So, um, and yeah. But yeah, Man. that's, yeah, it's really, um, yeah, it's really, really weird. I think, I think one of the things at the moment is um, I'm thinking about like things are changing really rapidly. Mm. And I'm thinking about how I can adapt what I do to suit that. So we were talking about AI a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and chat GPT. Before, and I'm like, because you are in, well, what you say tech in tech. Tech, yeah. That yeah. means a million different things to me because yeah. I know there's so many niches. There's and, so many niches. So yeah. what, when you say you're in tech, yeah. what, what's your specialism? My special, <laughs> that's an interesting thing. I will say, I'm probably a bit more generalist, but in terms of the experience I had that I guess the listeners, watchers would understand, um, I guess web design, web development. So okay. I, yeah. So I, I, I'd be like a product manager. Oh yeah. Okay, develop okay. A, okay. a website or, or, or some form of product basically. Okay, fine. Yeah. Fine. So I think, I think that the main thing is thinking about like things have changed so drastically. So even before um, the pandemic, there was something else. There was some other big wave. I don't know if it was GDP. I think there was a, another drop in um, like another wave of redundancies yeah. or something then it picked up then there was the pandemic and it's kind of made me think about like in terms of where people are right now there's loads of redundancies yeah. and kind of like one of the questions that you asked me before yeah. we went live is is now a good time to move mm -hmm. my view has always been <laughs> my view has always been that yes it's always a good time but, but how can I explain it as somebody who I don't see interviews as an obstacle, yeah, I always see it's a good time to move because I'm like, you can move whenever you like, as long as you just decide that this is what you want, you do the right prep, and then you go and get that thing. Um, I I can appreciate that there are some um, society-led um, pressures and factors that might mean that there might be more advantageous times. But I very rarely believe that. So I'm a kind of person who I think that December is a great month to find a job because why, there's why December? because there's less competition. Yeah. Like company, if, if somebody leaves a company, they still need to hire. They still need to fill that job. Yeah. But in December, no one's applying. So when you apply, you stand out a lot more. That's true. Um. So I, I've always like a lot of my jobs I've started in December. I just I just prefer the quick process that you go through because they're like they'll jump on you straight away because there's just less competition. Like it's, and so kind of like now when people are always like, oh, a good time to move, probably it's a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it just depends on how you see it. Yeah. And if you are going to move, make sure that you, you do your prep and you prep. I'm a prep person, prep for interviews. It sounds like it. Yeah. Prep for my YouTube channel. Before yeah. I started my channel, I did a course that I mentioned to you before. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I, I try not to waste time because to me, time is so much more valuable than money. So I'm, I'm all about, like trying to get things in the most efficient way. Yeah. And if you're going to go for something, then make sure that you're prepared. Yeah. That's my view. So where's, where's, where does the methodical approach come from? 
I have no idea. You don't, have no idea. Do you know what? I don't just, know. Is I, it just always been like efficiency? Things, uh, I, I don't know. I can't even say that. I don't know. It, no, I, it's cool. No, I'm, I'm trying to understand because so because we were talking about chat GPT yeah. offline and how that's been a game changer for you and how you're using that to, um, you know, like streamline all, all the areas. And now you're talking about like, you know, not wasting time. Time is very mm. valuable for you. So it's, it's always interesting to just, you know, understand like, yeah. you know, value time. Because I, I, I'm like that as well. I like to be as efficient as possible. If I do something, I always think, okay, how can I do that in less time and not waste? Like, I don't mind wasting it the first time. Yeah. The second, third, fourth. I don't, you know, how can yeah. I just make it a little bit easier? Yeah. Then, you know. I, I mean, I think, I think it comes from, this is going to like sound really like I'm really simplifying it here, but looking and learning. So I was really, really quiet as a child. Um, very, very shy, very, very quiet. For some reason, I'm not like that as an adult. And I noticed that the society that we're in, particularly in, in the UK, we're in a capitalist society. We're in a society that rewards you for doing, being in a, a certain way. So like, if I'm going to choose to stay in this society, then there are certain things I need to do to make things advantageous for myself. And when I looked at what works, whether it be a personality type, whether it be a certain um, way of approaching things, I noticed that there were certain things that seemed to work better. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that like particularly working in sales, I realized how quickly money can come and go. Like I can get money back. If you, if you, if I lose money in sales, my mindset was I can, I can always just make more sales, earn it, earn mm -hmm. it back. But um, time is just gone. You can't yeah. do, you can't get it back. It's yeah. just gone. It's so valuable. And, and so I kind of was like, everything I do, I want it to be efficient yeah. because I want to enjoy as much of my life as possible. Because, um, you know, we spoke about a YouTuber before. I, I, won't, I won't say who it was, but we're speaking about it before. That person told me that they still edit their videos. <laughs> and I was shocked because they're, do, they're so successful. They're doing so much. But to me, it seemed inefficient. And I was surprised because I was like, this person has actually inspired me. They've given me tips and advice and did it. But I was like, why, why, why do you do that? Like, even though getting an editor was very uncomfortable for me because most people say the same thing about editing. No one can do it exactly like I can do it. Yeah, like I, I know where I want to cut it and I don't know where I <laughs> True. But it's so, I was watching a podcast with Mr. Beast mm -hmm. and Coffeezilla, like, um, and basically he was talking about, um, about getting an editor and, do, and, and scaling. And I realized that Doing things any other way is ridiculous. If I'm saying that I want to get more time to spend with my family, yeah. to go out and go to a roller disco or whatever it is that I feel like doing, then I can't I can't be stuck in the the day to day of stuff. Otherwise, I will yeah. never I won't even have the headspace to decide that I want to take things in a different direction. Yeah. Um. And so I've kind of taken that approach. Even in my even in my day jobs in recruitment, I kind of try to take that approach as well. And um, so I think I think that's I think that's where it's come from. It's just by seeing what works in this society that in this societal structure, and deciding that I want to try and be financially secure. Like this to me, this is not the kind of society where you really want to be struggling financially. Yeah, it's yeah, it's I've been there. Yeah. It's 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 I've seen I've heard some heartbreaking stuff from people that struggle, and so I kind of want to try and 
everyone protect myself and my family from that. Everybody wants to do that. Um, and so I, I feel like this is the best way is to do things methodically and efficiently. Okay. Awesome. Amazing. I wanted to ask you a question actually about YouTube. So, uh, so you mentioned that initially you didn't want to, uh, you know, show your face and then you ended up showing your face. Do you feel like that had a benefit for you being on camera? Do you feel like you've had, yeah. like Yeah. I mean, I've noticed the benefit. There's been a lot of benefits actually. Um, I mean, I have gotten over the discomfort. It's still there in the back of my head, but I can, I accept that in order to get where I need to get to, this is what mm. I need to do, be on camera. So just get over it. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of what I tell myself yeah. when I'm feeling like that. But there are times when I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Um, <laughs> you cringe about it. <laughs> yeah, just cringe. Um, but one of the benefits was that like, for example, I've and this is not like a self promo thing, but I've been accepted into the, the creator class. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that, yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, I think, uh, well, I, I know that part of the reason for that is that I, I'm on camera. Um, because it's a creator class for the for the for black community yeah. in the UK. Well, they select four different like regions, but UK is one of them. And um, had I not been on camera, that that opportunity may not have come in. Um, people, I'm I'm the only person that I know of in the interview advice space on YouTube, and I mean specifically interview questions and answers that is black and female. And what I noticed is people commenting on that. So other people in other parts of the world mozambique us like black women commenting that they it, that they wanted to see representation which i didn't really realize was as important as it was until i started to see those comments yeah and so i realized that actually i'm helping people in more ways than one um and so it's not just about you know my discomfort my my comfort it's also about the impact that I'm making for other people. Cause otherwise things are just rubbish if you're not doing anything yeah. to help other people. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. How, how did that feel for you? Like, what did it mean to you to be part of, you know, YouTube Black? That's what it's um, called, right? It's yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. YouTube Black Creator Class. Um, I still am in shock. I'm, I'm telling myself get over it in my <laughs> head, but I'm still like, I still don't fully understand. Like I'm like, what, I feel like asking them, what was the selection criteria? Sorry, because yeah. my channel's still quite small. Um, I'm not like my videos don't generally go viral. You have people like Big Shaq was in the yeah. in the creator class. Oh, was like, he? Yeah, oh. he was in like the first year because they've. This okay. is the third year they run it. Wow. And they, I don't crazy. think they're going to run it forever. They're only running it for a short a short period of time. Oh, mad. So uh, he was in one, I, like Cat Black, who's another channel that I watch sometimes. She's massive. And so most of the channels seem quite large. So I, I didn't really understand why I was in there because I was like, I'm like, I'm proud of what I do. And I'm proud of the impact that I've had in helping people pass interviews and things. But I just thought that my they would have gone for a bigger channel. So I... I'm still got that kind of a little bit of imposter syndrome in my head. Like mm. when I'm in like workshops and things with other big creators and it's like, you know, like I'm just, just there. <laughs> um, so, um, it, but it feels amazing. Amazing. Um, I don't want to waste this opportunity. So I'm going to try and make sure that I do as much as I can in while I'm inside this program. Yeah. Um, and hopefully when I get out, by the time I get out the other end, I'll be in a position where I can reach even more people who are struggling because not being able to pass an interview sounds like kind of a small thing, but some of the stories that I've heard from people who can't pass interviews are really, really distressing. So there was um, a girl that I did a Zoom call with when I was doing market research, and she, um, like, she was she was just basically suffering with severe depression mm. because she she went to a coding academy and she paid twenty thousand dollars 
And in this, when she finished the coding academy, she couldn't get a job in that industry. And I was like, what they should have taught you in that coding academy is how to get into a job. <laughs> like not just the theory of how to do the job. Yeah. That's what most people study and learn. They learn the theory of how to do something. And if you can't pass an interview, you either won't get the job or you'll get the job, but you won't get the salary. And you've put the time and effort and money into studying that qualification. So you you should be able to get into something after that. Um, there was a lady who, like her husband, like left her for someone younger. And she basically was like, I can't pay the mortgage. I can't look after my dogs. We had three dogs. He's, he's left them with me. I have no skills and I I wouldn't even know where to begin with an interview. Like I'm I'm so like I'm so far down on, on skills that that's how she felt. And I just thought, like, there were so many people sending me messages like that when I reached out about market research, because mm. I reached out to my subscriber list, yeah. um, my email list. And um some of the stuff was just like they're just hitting a barrier at that point. So they're like, I'm going to do a customer services job. But I'm like, they've got amazing experience. And as soon as they reframe it, they can get into a job that pays 30 or 40 or 60 or 80K. And I'm wow. like, that's a life-changing difference. Yeah. Like to me, that's why an interview is so important. It's like, it's life-changing. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm like, I, I just want to make sure that I learn everything I can to make my content more engaging, reach more people. And just level the playing field because this whole thing of interviews be, being a performance, it totally isn't fair. Mm. Like I get that that's how they do it, but I'm like, it's, what it just feels, it, right. it's a performance. It's you yeah. go in, yeah. there are certain things that they want to hear and you need to say them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, it is a performance. It's not necessarily a false, yeah. but it's still a performance. You're still yeah. putting on the best side of yourself. Kind of like, like I was saying before with a date, you put on the best. You're not going to talk about your disgusting habits yeah. or the fact that you're you're lazy or whatever, like, you know, or, or whatever it is. Yeah. You're just going to talk about the things that you think that person wants to hear. Well, not really that person wants to hear, but mm. the, the best parts of yourself, you're yeah. probably going to put that forward. Yeah. Um, and an interview is the same. They kind of don't really want to hear about all of the worst parts of yourself or the mm -hmm. fact that you only want this job because you want somewhere that's 10 minutes from your house. Mm -hmm. They really want to hear about the, like they want to hear about um, your skills that match with the role, your, um, the parts of your values and ethos that match with the companies. So that's what you need to focus on, but you want to do it in a way that's enthusiastic and memorable and engaging and persuasive that is a performance. Most yeah. people aren't thinking like that with yeah. everything that they say. They're not like, let me make sure I'm persuading. Let me make sure I'm engaging them. Let me make sure. But I'm like, tell, talk about what you genuinely, who you genuinely are, but you need to do it in a way that is engaging to them. So they yeah. want to choose you. And that's quite performative to me. Yeah. It can be, it can be quite difficult. And you know, when you were telling me the stories about some of, um, you know, your audience, um, actually, I think a lot of us kind of take it a little bit for granted, like how significant, you know getting a job is for some people right um, yeah. i didn't even you know when i was thinking about interviewing um i think maybe i was being a bit naive and thinking oh you know people have several options but some people only have the one or two yeah and it's it, like we were saying it's make or break so um no it's very important work that you're doing and i'm sure it's very very um appreciated and uh you know valued but yeah again it's not something you really you don't think about no. how this distressed people are actually after the interview like you said some people really get down down about it um and I actually wanted to talk to you about some of 
did, did were you successful at all your interviews? And if you weren't, how did you pick yourself back up and make sure that you could overcome that barrier, for instance? Um, so before I answer that, I just yeah. wanted to go back to something I remembered, yeah. which was a lady I spoke to that was lived in Mozambique. Mm -hmm. She, um, I did a call with her and she said that where she lived, there was one big company. I can't remember she said like, I'm thinking power plant, but it maybe wasn't. It was something, mm -hmm. something else, some massive like company that was there. And it was the only company where they could work. And I can't remember if that was just due to proximity or somewhere else. But what it meant is that if some of the people there couldn't pass interviews, they couldn't work. And I was like, and because I've grown up in the UK, in London, which is like, there's so many jobs in London. I I never thought about that kind of reality where you there's one there's kind of one or two places one or two options like like you just said when you said one or two options it just sparked that memory, um, so yeah so I just was like wanted to, wanted to like back up back up what you were saying basically yeah. that it's people all around the world that um I've had people in different countries in um you know in Korea in like all sorts of people that um that are struggling. And in some of them, they face these different barriers that are that are society led. Um, yeah, sorry, you asked me another question. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, it I, to be fair, I kind of want to like stick to this this, this but, what we're talking about because it is it is I you know again I think sometimes it's a privilege that you forget you have when you just said what you said about Mozambique. Again, it's not it's not that you don't know. It's mm. you just don't think about it. You just don't think actually, yeah, some people is literally one option and yeah. if they don't get that option. Yeah. It's just, it, yeah. And she said, she, I remember, I always remember because she was so enthusiastic. Yeah. And she said um, that her son, she wants him to be a footballer. And she said her dream was to go to Old Trafford. And I was so shocked okay. because I was like, <laughs> oh, like she's like, yeah. Okay, fair enough. And I'm like, the impact of even the society that you live in all around the world yeah. is is amazing. But one of the things she also said to me was, and I felt kind of not maybe a bit not guilty, but just self-aware. She said the only thing is my accent, because she had a really strong accent. Yeah. And she said, you know, with you and how you articulate things, and I realized that just the way that I sound does make a difference as well, of course. Mm. But I don't think about that. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I still, yeah. I still face other, I still have faced some other barriers, but mm -hmm. the way you sound, the way I sound, which yeah. is why we can get into some of the brand name companies that, yeah. you know what I mean? And so um, there are just so many things like they, she would also, she's also focusing on articulation, learning another language, a, a bunch of other stuff, as well as an interview. Like there's, there's so many hurdles. Um, but yeah, sorry. So you asked about um, if I, get all the jobs I go for. No, I don't. Um, and I think, I think one of the things is, um, I went through this, have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? I've got it. <laughs> That's okay, all I can okay, say. Okay. I, haven't, I, haven't I haven't finished it. Uh, okay. <laughs> that book went through its rounds. I don't, when was it released? I can't even I remember. I think early 2000s. Yeah, I it was. Cause I'm like, yeah. I, I think that, cause I'm like, I read it. I think I read it 2006. I remember I was like, I think I was in Hounslow at the time. And I was on, this is when, um, get rich quicks type stuff and like yeah. the whole mind the grindset thing the whole or the whole mindset thing was not cheesy it was not considered corny yeah. it was brand new and robert kiyosaki and donald even donald trump like you wouldn't yeah, think he of had today the, yeah. but in those days rappers would rap about donald trump yeah robert you know robert kiyosaki was you know um collaborating with him and there was a certain 
I think it was also when The Secret came out and the whole law of attraction thing. Again, yeah. it wasn't cheesy or corny at the time. It was brand new. And I was like, this is amazing. And I started to get really into non-fictional books and I started reading loads of books and I started reading about this is what's a successful mindset. And did it like now it sounds kind of <laughs> cheesy because but I'm like at the time it was like yeah. it was groundbreaking stuff. It was brand new. And I got all the books and I read the Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, Brian Tracy, all of the stuff. And I started to, I, I saw the patterns in some of the stuff that they were saying. And although some of these things have turned out to be a little bit like they were doing it to sell stuff, there is an element of truth in a lot yeah. of that stuff as well to me. I, I, I still believe in, in, in a lot of that stuff. And um, I realized that repositioning or reframing something so that you can get the most productive results yeah. is absolutely key. And I realized that if I spend too long dwelling on things or I don't reframe things in the way that I need to, to get like a specific thing. I'm not saying that, I'm not talking about toxic positivity where something's clearly wrong, but you're telling everyone to smile and you're like, I'm fine, I'm happy. Like, I don't mean that. I don't agree with that. I think if you, sometimes you feel bad and you just need to sit in that and go through yeah. that. Um, but I, but discovering um, the, the kind of reframing was really important okay. um, in my journey. And it helped me to, um, like, if I didn't get a job, I kind of forgot that I didn't get that job. I'd move on right. so fast in my head okay. that I didn't even remember some of them. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah, it was, it was but, but also I, I started to notice that my conversion rate went up. So my okay. interviews to offers. So it started to, it was like, I was instead of going to like five or three interviews, it was like, I'd go to one interview and pretty much get one offer. Get one. And so as that started to happen more and more frequently, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm confident that I'm confident now. And I'm confident that I've got this skill. Okay. So you, so you developed, developed the skill and actually this, this kind of, um, and I like the fact that you mentioned reframing, you know, reframing it in a way that I guess, um, resonates with the person you're speaking to. And I guess different people have different, because there's, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but you know, there's some interviews, you can just tell the vibe of somebody. And yep. I don't know if, 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 if you agree with this or you think this, is that, do you think there's some like people on the other side, they've just got that attitude of like the next person that's coming in, I, you know, mm -hmm. you just don't quite vibe with them. Even if you're saying the right things, the vibe is not there. So therefore, because like, I, I guess anything, every, everything's a people business really, right? Even if you are the right candidate, you're saying the right things on a people perspective, if you mm -hmm. don't, if they don't get that energy, there's a possibility that. That you won't. Yeah. yeah. But I think you also have to, you as a candidate, I would say to anyone that thinks that you'd also have to think to yourself, do I want to work with someone that I don't vibe with or that is all that. I'm throwing off the best I can and they're giving me something back that feels a bit off. Yeah. I'd probably recommend you don't. Um, if if the person interviewing you is the person you'd be working with, and normally it is. Um, I've accepted jobs like that before, more than once, because it took me a while to learn important lessons. And um it was just misery, just hot, yeah. just straight misery. In one case, I like I couldn't understand after I left that place why that person hired me because they didn't really seem to like me. Um, and I realized that why they did it was their manager thought I really liked me. And so right. they, I think they just thought I need someone who can deliver. This person can deliver. But they didn't really. They just had a, a personal issue. I didn't know what it was when I, I remember starting in that job and they 
were, I can't remember, but they, they kind of shouted something across the office and was like telling me off for not doing something. And when I sat down, there were two people on my desk, two of my colleagues, and they said like, why does, why does that person talk to you like that? Why do they, like, why are they so harsh with you? And they were like, yeah, like, what's that about? And I'm like, I don't know. I've literally been here three days. And I remember having that discussion and thinking, what is going on here? I don't know. But um, yeah, it just didn't last. It just didn't last because that went on for a short time before, yeah. you know, my personality, I just, I wouldn't take that line down. Yeah. And um, it meant that within a week, I had been like, I'd been, I'd snapped back at that person. Okay. And then they were like, oh, uh, they took me aside and was like, oh, you know, why, why was you responding like that in front of, in front of the whole office? And I was like, you've been off with me since I joined. Um, and so I was like, I'm not staying. Um, and and the, the strange <laughs> thing about that discussion, the weirdest thing about it was that, um, like they looked really upset by that, which was so weird to me. At the time I couldn't understand it. Now I do, now I'm older, but um, she, I remember she looked like she was gonna cry. This is my boss. And I was like, oh, and she was like, okay. And so she was like, are you sure you wanna leave? Is there anything we can do to keep you? And I was so confused by the mixed signals. Wow. And then she, she said, do you, wanna, do you wanna go now? Or do you wanna wait? And I was like, I, I wanna go now. I realized after that the reason that that happened is she, a lot of people worked there um, in this really awful environment and um, the managers there were used to people just sticking with it. So they weren't used to people being like, screw this, I'm leaving. Right. People didn't really do that. Mm. But in my head, I knew I could go into another job. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, I'll just find a better job where I, I don't get treated like this. Um, and she knew that also when I resigned, the, her manager, who really wanted to see me in that job, she'd have to explain to them why I left that quickly. And she knew that that manager would speak to me. Okay. And that's what happened. And I don't know, I don't know what happened. I think a few other people complained about this person and they ended up being let go like six months later. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think it was just related to me, but I think that didn't help. So, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's, oh gosh, work life is can be a bit crazy yeah um i wanted to touch on something that you mentioned before and again another thing that again i, I you know i didn't really think about and i you know i could probably admit that i, I probably do this i probably would say that i've got a diff i've got different voices for different things right <laughs> i probably yeah. got i probably have a podcast i might have a podcast voice i don't know um and i definitely i think i have a work voice for sure yeah I definitely for sure have a work voice to 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 my my normal voice and we were talking about it do you think people should spend time on working on their work voice? And I don't mean like for the purposes of work itself, but the, for the purposes of um, interviewing because of what, you, you know, one of your, um, somebody from your audience was talking about accent. Again, it's not something I was even really paying attention to because I've mm -hmm. worked with people with different accents and I've never really thought, I've never really thought anything of it. If I, if, if you're good at your job and you do what you need, that doesn't, yeah uh, you know but to I, me that doesn't matter really but I think that um so you might have heard of this before there's been this study I think it was done by Harvard about putting out a CV um with like it's the same CV but they put like African names yeah, yeah. Indian names and then yeah. or typically Indian names typically um African names and then typically British names yeah and it went down in percentage but I think the the, the CVs with the black names were the least likely to get a callback and it was something like one in 10 callbacks or something, whereas the, 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 the CV with a typically British name was something else. Um, and that's kind of the same for when you meet people. 
Um, I think it's something that happens, or from what I've read anyway, it's something that happens subconsciously where you make an immediate assessment on someone based on, like, it's like a, I don't know, it's like a two or three second thing, or they say that, I think it's like a seven second rule or something like that. And um, it also depends on the way they sound. As soon as someone opens their mouth to speak, there's something there's something that you associate with that sound because that's how how we're wired we we kind of make associations as soon as we learn something new we associate it or try to connect it with something that we understand um and so people with accents so i i can understand that why the sound of my voice might be more palatable to somebody who's grown up here um indigenous to here and is used to working with hiring with people from here and understands what success looks like and all of the successful people in their company sound and act and look like this and so someone that's close to that is what they are what they are used to and so subconsciously they might not realize that that's the reason that they connect with me more but you know there are some people where like I think it's also the cultural differences so there was a woman that I worked with an African woman she was a finance manager and um her style was what would be considered in that corporate environment a bit more abrupt than usual. <laughs> I loved working with her. I loved that style because she got to the point. Yeah. She didn't mess around. She just told you how it was, but it was cultural yeah. for her. Um, there's a cultural difference in Britain, as particularly in the corporate environment of saying things that are slightly different to what you mean, yeah. reframing certain things. The corporate speak, let's take that offline. Blue sky thinking, da -da -da -da, all these words that, they they don't mean what you it burns me a little so in one of my recent roles for a large company um they were having a push a focus on diversity and they asked me about like my experience and i said that's fine i don't mind talking to you about my experience and whatever um like from from the black perspective and i said one of the things that i would recommend that you scrap is this I, I won't use the company name, but this work speak. So they use the company name and they call it that speak. And I was like, you, this work speak is alienating to people who um, are not from this culture, who don't sound like me. They not only, they might look a bit like me, but they don't sound like me. It's alienating and it's, it serves no purpose because there are already words to describe those things. If you just say what you mean, you don't need to use corporate speak. That, that adds a layer of me saying to you, um, we understand what we're talking about. We're from the same environment and it's alienating to people who don't understand that. Um, and I'm trying to remember a few of the phrases, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. And it was just, I'm trying to remember. They were, it, was, mm. it, was, it was really like, they have them in most corporate companies. And um, I think that that type of thing um, can be the difference. And yeah. someone else not understanding why, why they're using that. Mm. Um, and someone coming into an interview and just not using that. It's why you get like people in parliament that have all gone to Eton. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They sound yeah. a certain way. They, do you know what I mean? There's maybe a 1% more diversity now, but um, you know, it's, there's a, there's a certain familiarity and they know, oh, he went to so-and-so. I know that they'll do this. Like managers have said to me before, um, we want someone with a 2.1 from a red brick university for that role. And I'm like, but this is entry level. Like, why do they need that? Like, why would they need that? And it's like, oh, but I just know that someone that comes in from that university, they're going to be a certain caliber. And I just thought there's a lot that they're not saying there because there's the, all the people that come from that university have almost identical background. They look almost the same. They sound almost the same. So you're not specifically saying that you don't want this set of people over here, but by default, 
you are alienating those people yeah. um, by doing that. Um, so, um, so yeah, in terms of people working on their work speak, I would love to say, like, no. My view is actually, um, it's more about articulation than it is about your work voice. Okay. So how can I explain it? I think it's more about the words that you say and the way you explain things can have an impact no, no matter your accent. Yeah. Um, and I think that if you're able to articulate, um, kind of articulate certain things in a way that is persuading, in a way that is convincing, most people can't, um, can't kind of sidestep that. They can't ignore the fact that you've said that. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's always been more about articulation. I've had a million appraisals and performance reviews over the years and I've been told, oh, but you know, sometimes your style, it's a little direct. And I might say, sure, I'll work on that, um, you know, because I'd like my bonus. But, you know, I, 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 I'm I, me and I'm, I'm me and I've worked. I'm I'm not going to. Um, there are certain things that I believe have helped me forward. And um, I there are certain things I just don't want to change. There are certain things I'm just stubborn about. And I'm like, this is me. I don't want to be indirect and say something I don't really mean. That's just no. Okay. <laughs> no. No, it hurt. I, hurt I, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. And um, this is this is more of a generous question, but it's more about what tips um, would you have for somebody if they if they're thinking about standing out in an interview? Because I guess right now, um, you know, we were talking about a potential recession. Um, we were talking about no matter what the time still applies to jobs, but there's going to be more competition, right? Yeah. So you want to make sure that you stand out. What tips would you have for somebody if they wanted to think about standing out in an interview? First tip: subscribe to my channel. I'm <laughs> less interview cool. coach. No, but seriously, I think I think that there's a few basic things, and they're not actually that difficult. Strangely enough, what a lot of people struggle with, or what they've told me, is actually confidence over prep. Um, which is, I, I found shocking because I don't cover confidence on my channel. So I was surprised to hear that so much of my, my uh, audience was struggling with that. Um, but it, it, it helps me to understand what, what kind of content they want to see. So that was really helpful. But in terms of basic tips for people that are going to an interview, the number one thing is to make sure that you prepare. Um, and it does, it, how you prepare makes all the difference nowadays. Once upon a time, just preparing would have put you above like 90% of other candidates. Um, but nowadays, a lot more people are aware of that. So it's it, I go through quite a long kind of in-depth process. But in terms of off the top, I would say make sure that you speak your answers out loud. When you're sitting in an interview, that shouldn't be the first time that you're hearing your answer. Um, and record yourself because okay. I don't know about you. Never but, done <laughs> oh, yeah, we definitely Never do it. That. When you listen back to yourself for the first time. Yeah. I don't know about you, but it was a horrible experience for me. So I, I was like, it was a horrible for the for the <laughs> yeah. YouTube channel. Yeah, it was like, yeah. why do I sound like that? Why didn't anyone tell me I sounded like that? And what's wrong with the equipment? Because I genuinely thought the camera's obviously not picking up what I'm sounding like. Yeah. So the equipment must be broken. <laughs> I was actually blaming the camera when really all it was was that I was hearing what everybody else heard, and so it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. But it was very uncomfortable and it meant that I could tweak how I sounded until I was comfortable. You need to do that so that when you get into your interview, they're, they're hearing what is a, um, a polished product instead of you umming, erring, not being sure, thinking oh, I shouldn't have said that. 
Um, so you need to practice, um, speak your answers. And in terms of what to practice, you want to make sure that you read the job description. Don't just read it, study it and match your skills with the relevant parts of the job description. Please do that. And, was, <laughs> like, sorry, I'm interjecting a no, little go slightly ahead. there. Go ahead. So uh, I actually had a question about this. Some people will, will apply. They might have maybe five out of seven mm. on it. And you can think about this answer. Do you do you think that's a wise thing or should they be getting seven out of seven before they go for it? As in matching everything on the job description? Yeah. No, because it's not, you, you, you may just not have a certain okay. skill. So if you don't have it, that's yeah. fine. Okay. All you're doing is looking for the things, the areas that match. Okay. Most people, okay. I confidently tell you, don't do that. Okay. And Ooh. that is what, one of the key things that you need to do because yeah. otherwise, when they ask you a question like, why should we hire you? Um, what's most important to you? What are your key skills? You're kind of shooting in the dark. Yeah. Like you could be like, I like people. I'm a people person. Yeah. Is that in the role? Yeah. <laughs> because if it's not, then true. you, you want to make sure you're focusing on things like when you say what are your key skills, if there's something in the job description that says you need to be somebody that is... Um, uh, you, you need to have advanced level Excel skills. You need to be somebody who understands how to work in a team. You need to be, you know, these, and you actually have those skills, then those are the ones you want to focus on. Okay. Forget the others. Forget the time that you won a cake baking competition. Forget the time that you um, were, you know, head of a student body thing in university. They are things that you're proud of, but the interviewer doesn't care. Okay. Cool. Okay. I'm so sorry to say this. I'm like, it's, there are some, there are some, there are some, things that people are really proud of mm. and i i'm hesitant in how i s explain to them that that doesn't matter that is completely irrelevant um and you know don't waste time on those things because the interviewer won't remember everything you said off the top yeah. of their head so you need to make sure that everything hits a punch so everything that they remember is a reason to hire you um so yeah, if you only meet four out of seven, that's fine. Just make sure that you're clear on what those four out of seven right. are okay. and Perfect. look at things like the company's LinkedIn page, mm -hmm. the newsfeed, look at public things like their social media. Like, oh, I noticed that um, the company just did this. I noticed that you've had a new manager in your department. I noticed that that normally helps. It depends on what level of role you're going for. Yeah. If you're going for entry level, you don't need to do as much. Um, if, whereas if you're going for director level, you better understand legislation in the industry. You better understand everything. <laughs> better, do you know yeah. what I mean? You really do. Because if, yeah. if I'm interviewing you, then you, you, you better know all that stuff. But um, generally speaking, you just want to make sure that you do those things. I don't expect when I'm interviewing people, um, like whether it be at work or, at, or interviewing a client. Yeah. I don't expect them to have done all of that because I know that most people don't. Um, um, as in my, my view as an interviewer, so someone that's been an HR representative and a, a recruitment person, I like to make people feel comfortable because in my mind, I want to find the right person. I never understand interviewers who want to trip up the candidate. I, I'll never understand that. Boiler room type stuff, right? Oh my yeah. God, yeah. I get it, like you're in a dingy dark room it's, and they're like trying to interrogate Yeah, they're trying to interrogate you. Yeah. Some people are like that. Um, I don't get it, but I do get that people are like that. So I, I, I want to prep my clients for that type of yeah. interviewer. Okay. Wow. Wow. Fantastic tips. And, um, you know, obviously you sat, sat on the other side. So what are some things that you shouldn't do? Absolutely. Like, even if it's a great interview, it's just going to kill your kill your chances don't be too don't be overly familiar okay there's nothing wrong with complimenting the interviewer okay. if you like them but be be aware of that as well um 
just yeah just be aware of um being of, of feeling so relaxed that you then share something that is you know that may, maybe you shouldn't share so um try to keep things relevant to the role if you are going to share anything personal think about the types of personal things that you can share so that when that moment comes up you can reference a book you read uh this or that rather than going out drinking or going out drinking is fine i don't judge people for doing that but some interviewers might and if you really really want that job it could lose you the opportunity yeah there was a guy who i mean i don't know if he'd want to work there anyway but his interviewer didn't like the fact that he had burberry socks on what yeah there's well i've seen i've heard all sorts i've heard all sorts of stuff that doesn't make yeah. any sense can't he okay I, I think he was going for one of those you know those yeah. banks in the city where you need to open yeah. an account with a million the minimum of four million yeah. you know that kind of place so i think he might have been interviewed somewhere like that i'm trying to remember it was now but the burberry socks and i was like down. but do you know what i'd say to the guy go neutral <laughs> Wear black socks. Yeah. Don't 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 do Maybe too much. I the, for whatever reason the guy didn't like it, and I'm like, you might not have wanted to work somewhere somewhere with someone that was that fussy. Yeah, you might you might have wanted to work with him anyway. But either way, um, just try to go neutral. Um, one thing I would also avoid. I actually said this um the other day. I I can't remember. I was I think it was a client that I had, and I was advising them not to mention death. So I know that that sounds really, right, so okay. in an example, I think we would, oh yeah, I remember what it was. Um, so we're talking about an example to the question, um, something like how do you manage challenges or conflict or something? Yeah. And they were talking about, um, oh, I think it was the biggest achievement. What's your biggest achievement? And they were saying that their biggest achievement is is working through something when someone passed away. And so I said, there's nothing wrong with that. It is. It can be a tremendous achievement, especially if you're doing multiple things, like you're studying, looking after someone, and all of these different things are happening. However, when you mention things like bereavement, you don't know. You, you don't know what what is a trigger for the person interviewing you. So some things might be difficult or traumatic for them to hear, and so because of that, try to steer away from things that like um, things like death. Things like um, like political opinions, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, to steer away from that, I had a client who liked Donald Trump, and I was like, "That's fine. Are you sure that your interviewer likes Donald Trump?" Because, um, and they they were saying to me, "But my view is that um, you know it's it shouldn't matter." And I was like, "Maybe not, but if it matters to the person that's making the decision, then." You, you may not get the job because some people will see some things that people do politically. Um, they'll look at how it impacts their day-to-day -day lives and think, how could you support that person? Or they might have a million different views. Try to keep things as professional and neutral as you can while still showing your personality, which can be difficult. But that's one of the reasons why I talk about practice. It, it's a bit of an art and as you you've practiced once you do it a few times over you'll start to get the hang of understanding how to show enthusiasm how to yeah. show your personality without sharing things that are too controversial um so it's the main things are stay away from controversial topics um and make sure that you and, and don't just go in without preparing just that's my main thing is just make sure that you are prepped for the interview okay wow that's amazing um there is a just just very quickly on this one you you do have a format to and actually you can tell me if this format's still relevant there's a staff format right yeah you're thinking about um you know your answers to questions and pre preparing 
Do you think is that still relevant in today's? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. Can you explain STAR quickly? Yeah, so yeah. STAR is an acronym uh, for Situation Task Action. It's acronym? It may not be, but basically it stands for Situation Task Action Result. Um, and it's a way of structuring your answer. Put, you put your answer into a structured framework to make sure that you you give a comprehensive example. So let's say somebody said, can you give me an example of a time when you disagreed with someone at work or when, you know, whatever, you're telling them the situation. So what happened, the task. So what did you need to do? What was the task that was created out of that situation? What were the actions that you took? And what was the ultimate result? Yeah. The reason it's important is because often that's what the interviewer wants to know. They want to know what was the positive outcome if there was one. And if there wasn't one, why or what did you learn? They're waiting to hear that. When people are nervous, they often go off on tangents and forget completely what they're saying. Mm. It happens all the time in interviews. So the STAR method helps you to remember, right, what am I talking about? Yeah. And keep your answer concise, but also hit those points that the interviewer is waiting to hear. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic explanation. I've got like two more questions that I want to ask you. And I feel like it's always awkward for me to think about that because I think people always ask this question. One is, tell me about yourself. People always think like, what am I supposed to tell you yeah. about myself? So how does how can someone tackle that question? Do you know what? I kind of love and hate that question because it's it's vague for a reason. Yeah. Some interviewers intentionally ask that because it's vague and some of them... Um, just ask that because they think it's a question that they should ask. I do have a kind of a format recommendation for that, but um, this is the thing that there's so many different ways. There's there's no hard and fast rule. My view is you answer. You start off with your why. So I always so you start off with why you do what you do. If you're not already in the industry, so you're a graduate going into it for the first time, why you want to be in that industry. So I have a passion for this because of this. I want to go into this area because I've always been interested in detail. I'm analytical. I'm numerically this and that. That's why I've, I've, I'm interested in this role. That's why I have a passion for it. Or I've always enjoyed speaking to people. Um, and then you move into um, what you're currently doing. So it start off with, I've always been passionate about um, connecting with people. That's why I have started a career in customer service. And then you go into, I've now been in customer service for three years now, and I do this, this, and this. So th this answer is important to structure because you can hit key points and absolutely nail it this way. So you can hit like two hard skills, two soft skills, and two key skills. Um, and so you can say like, I, um, so in that I'm, I'm involved in, um, dealing with customer complaints and feedback, doing this and this. I also worked on this project. I've done these number of things. These are my key skills here that are relevant. And that's why I'm, that. that's that's really a summary of me. Mm -hmm. And then I always, I always end that answer. I always recommend people end that answer with, and that's why I applied. So mm. you come back, okay. you bring it back around. So at the end of it, you're saying, da 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 And yeah. the combination of those skills is the reason that I applied because I saw that in the role, you wanted this. Wow. And then that's it. That's it. Um, yeah. that's, I love structuring the answer that way because it's neat, it's packaged. It gives people a structure to work to, but it also like, in my mind, I've not met a client that hasn't, where the interviewer hasn't had some kind of specific reaction to them yeah. structuring it that way. That's fantastic. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, I could ask you questions all day, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, can't keep, I can't keep you here all day. Um, another one that sometimes I'm just like, oh, 
maybe not thought about it because that's not why you apply to the job or maybe you just don't have no aspiration what are your long-term career goals oh that's interesting five years yeah so long-term career goals um so i have answered this on my channel but um yeah I know. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, uh, just putting it out no, there no, i know that's what i'm asking you <laughs> but, no, but, but i think long-term career goals it, it depends on what you want so um a lot of people think that they should say that they want to get promoted or they want to move up don't say that if you don't want to because if you say that there's a high chance that you'll be expected to perform in a way that demonstrates that you want to get promoted and that often means going above and beyond your role um so sometimes it's just about saying that you want to do the role that you applied for. That's your long-term career goal. And a lot of managers like to hear that because that's the role they're hiring for. Yeah. Some managers can be put off by someone that wants to move too quickly. Um, so unless there's, an, unless there's an indication that they want someone ambitious in the job description, or there's a, an indication that, for example, there are certain industries like sales or um, certain types of recruitment, like agency recruitment, where they want people to be ambitious. They want them to have an entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah. And so you saying something like that is what they want to hear. And if you don't say it, it could also have the opposite effect. It yeah. can, you know, but generally speaking, it's what you want. So if you're somebody that you're like, I kind of just want to get into this role and study, then you say that to them. You say, um, you know, my long-term career goals are for now, I would say I, I can't speak for five to 10 years, but I know that for the next few years, I would love to do this role. I want to get in it. I want to understand it. I want to nail it. I want to learn from the rest of the team. I notice that you have these people on the team. Like I, I always like to reference specific things. So when I'm coaching someone, I'm like, look at the LinkedIn, reference those things and say, I would love to work in that team because I think that I can learn X and X. Yeah. And um, and really, that's that's my those are my career goals for now. Perhaps in future, I might like to move up to this and that. But to be honest, I'd like to see where I am at that time. Okay. If you want to move up, then make sure that you work that into your answer as well. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, I, I could ask you questions all day. Um, fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, what do you have planned next for yourself? For me, um, it really is just about trying to just give us more value to my audience yeah. and making sure that I'm. Um, I think that's that's pretty much it. I always wanted to keep it simple. Um, when I started my channel, I put career coach, I think, and I changed it to interview coach because I realized that I'm not a career coach. I'm just an interview coach. And that's what I really actually, I enjoy. Like I can talk about it with enthusiasm because I like it. I like, I really like doing it. And I like seeing the difference when people come in and say like, I just got my first six figure job. I'm like, that's amazing. Like I, I feel good. And I want to then I'm like, right, I want to create more content like that. I want to get more people into jobs like that. Yeah. Um, because I'm like, I want to level this playing field because the people that are shy or they're not the most outspoken, sometimes they can be at a bit of a disadvantage. And I'm like, you actually don't need to be as long as you know yeah. what to say. It's not, you don't have to have the same personality as everybody else, but you just need to know how to um, sell your strengths. Yeah. So uh, for me, it's just about focusing on this growing this and just getting more um i guess more advice out to people who need it amazing amazing i really appreciate you uh coming on the podcast uh, amory so much value so much value where can people actually find you um now on instagram so i my okay, instagram i'm now. such okay. a technophobe that's why like i didn't even have an instagram when you, i doing and you gotta get on tiktok <laughs> yeah i know i do you know, i actually set, started tiktok i haven't posted any videos okay. i've been so busy but Next week is fairly free and I'm hoping yeah. that I can actually get my first video out on TikTok. Yeah. Um, although TikTok is apparently being banned in a lot of places. 
they they might ban it in the US, but I think regardless, it's, yeah, I mean, it's still yeah, it's still, still really powerful. Yeah, it's still but um, I still need to have a presence on there. But I'm I'm just keeping an eye on what's going on. But yeah, TikTok, um, it's always going to be Amri Celeste, Amri Celeste on LinkedIn, yeah. Amri Celeste on Instagram, Amri Celeste on YouTube, and Amri Celeste. <laughs> amazing, amazing. No, really appreciate you coming down today. You came all the way down from Watford. Uh, listeners, watchers, just you know, appreciate Amri. Um. Came from far to provide a lot of value, and I, I learned a lot, to be honest, from this conversation. Uh, and I and, and I was I will say I'm doing pretty well in my career, and I wouldn't even say that I've done some of the tips. That <laughs> no, you've done. no, no, yeah, no, See, that's no. the thing. And you don't even, yeah. I mean, I, you you you're well spoken, yeah, and. Do you know what I mean? There's just a certain yeah yeah. It's no, I'm not saying yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah. if I had gotten your tips, yeah. I might have even been way way ahead. <laughs> Honestly, I might have been way ahead. So no, it's um, it's been it's been so insightful. Do you have any uh, final words for uh, the audience? Well, I first of all, I just want to thank you for inviting me yeah. because um, it's been really interesting discussion. Yeah. Like I feel like I could have, like, we could just talk about so many things. Yeah. Um. But I, I, I think just parting words are um, from an interview coach perspective, there's a lot going on in society right now in terms of recessions, redundancies. Try not to get disheartened. Like it's everything works in cycles and waves. So all you need to do is stick to what you really want. Stay focused on that. Put some time um, and, and a bit of effort into preparing and studying the thing that you want to get into and how to do that. and and you and you will absolutely fly in your career. Um, that that's that's pretty much it from me. So. Amazing, amazing, <laughs> amazing, motivational, inspirational. You heard it yourself from uh, Amri. So yeah, thank you, watchers and listeners, for tuning into this episode of the Take of Experience. Really appreciate you, and we'll see you next week's episode. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.